mean, it happens to me all the time. I'm a notorious non-finisher. Well, so that was kind of the thing we'll talk about, but I was, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. Right, save it. right, I save I just, I just get so excited. I just wanted to stop talking. Just stop talking, Jared. Start ta- stop just, talking and introduce just the show. Shut up. Okay, <laughs> fine. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined by Rachel Morgan. Uh, bonjourno. Bonjourno to you as well. How are you this fine day? I'm doing well because it was phone? cloudy and rainy today. It was. And it's only about 85 now, which is like the coldest, air quotes, it's been here in a long effing time. Oh, man. And I had to, I was out filming today. Got back from filming mid-afternoon. I was already kind of like hot and sweaty just because that's just how well, I get when I muggy. film. And it is muggy. But it was just after the rain had passed. And I said to myself, you know what? gonna keep this ball rolling i'm gonna go and run and it felt amazing oh i thought you were gonna say that you were gonna take a nap and i was no, like i, I would nap. have killed for a nap this I do afternoon nap. you can ask sam in our almost 10 years of being together we she has seen me nap maybe two times i am an expert at napping i can nap almost anywhere anytime that isn't actively sitting in a plane regrettably the one place on earth that i actually need to be able to fall asleep I can't. Yeah. No, so. I can't fall asleep in planes either. That's going to be. Rickety buses going over cobblestones? Easy. <laughs> Just not planes. <laughs> Just not planes. A smooth, hopefully, you know smooth what's funny? mode of transportation. I sleep better on planes when there's turbulence. Really? Like oh, if I there's guess, a lot of turbulence, it's, a bit of a, it's like, like, oh, this is like a bus. Okay. Yeah, and then yeah. I fall asleep. But if it's like a smooth ride, I can't do it. Any form of transportation, I, I have yet to find one that I can sleep in. I just don't nap. And it's just hard for me to like turn that off and to get comfortable in a place where I can. I feel and bad it's just, for you. I don't know. It's just never been a thing for me. Like, I just have never really felt the need to nap that much. But, you know. <laughs> One of my coworkers, we were the only two people in our department today, just kind of by accident. Yeah. And she told me later in the afternoon, as she was leaving to go home, uh, she was like, yeah, uh, not going to lie. I kind of fell asleep at my desk, like, just like this. <laughs> like, with her, head in her, with her head in her hand. And I was like, really? That's a skill. <laughs> that is. I can see. I would, I would be immediately just, like, doing the, the bobbin thing. And just, the bob. I will I say, do though. The bob. I do the drool. I will, I will say, though, Sam has quite the collection of videos at this point because I do have the tendency to start when it starts getting late at night and we're up doing things to start nodding off and falling asleep. So she has so many videos. You're already doing her, the old man move. Falling asleep and then her going, <clears throat> and me going, and like <laughs> waking up. That's in a embarrassing. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. But you know what also is good stuff? Video games. That's what we're here to talk to you about on this episode of Team Chat Podcast, a weekly video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out on Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time. You can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others. You can also watch a video version of each episode on YouTube. Head over to teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen for a complete list of all the places the show is available. Our producer is getting a little barking. I heard barking. him. Good heavens. Goodness. He's really like laying into Sam. Is he I trying? wonder what she did. I bet I'm expecting a package. I bet somebody came and delivered a package. Oh. I guarantee you that's what it is. He's I thought good, maybe he, he was can just, be a good guard dog. I thought maybe he was just finally stepping up to the plate of like being in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Turns no, out no. <laughs> not, not yet. But you can also find us on social media where sometimes we post pictures of our key producer fender and such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can join our Discord server as well. Links for all that are in the description below. And finally, if you're really loving and enjoying what we're creating for you each and every week, head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where as for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show. And in return, we'll give you cool perks, like getting the episodes early before their general release and other things as well. If you can't do that, no big deal at all. 
We love that you're here listening to us, and we would love it if you could show your appreciation, the appreciation and support in other ways, though, like reviews, thumbs ups, subscribes, and all the different places. We would love that as well, and we're glad that everyone is here listening to us. As the, the YouTubers say, uh, smash, smash that like and subscribe. That like button. and subscribe. I like button. to say hit it the bell very... so you get notifications <laughs> when new episodes bell. go live. <laughs> but yeah, so all those great ways to help us support the show and make it bigger and better are greatly appreciated. Before we get into today's main topic, or two topics really, today, it's a double feature, we have to get a little bit of news with our moment with Mogan. So, a couple of big games, just wanted to point out, in case you missed it, out now, you have Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Wit, White, Wrath of the White Witch Remastered. Say that five times fast. Wrath of the White Witch Remastered. Wrath of the White Witch Remastered. I can't do it. (laughs) It's too hard. Um, But that's for PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC. That came out on September 20th. Also on the 20th, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the Switch. Uh, By the time you are hearing this, I've already bought it. Rest assured, I'm already playing it, and I'm already loving it. There's no question about it. It will be amazing. Nice. Take my word for it. The, the me from the past. Ooh. Ooh. Spooky. Wow. Future Mogan. <laughs> yeah. Future past Mogan coming uh, also in. Came, also, what also came out on September 20th, another one that unfortunately I can't pick up right now because I am already way over budget on my September gaming allowance. Untitled Goose Game. Nice. Came out for the PC and I do really want to pick it up. Uh, so Untitled Goose Game, that's the game where you play as a rascally goose and you just go around a town and terrorize the citizens by being in general a jerk like most geese yeah geese are jerks they are they really are they're just the jerks of the natural world uh and then as of today september 24th you've got cat quest 2 for playstation 4 xbox one switch and pc also on the 24th contra rogue core for playstation 4 xbox one and switch also on the 24th, The Surge 2 for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. And coming very soon, uh, Mario Kart Tour for iOS and Android. Oh, yeah, that's right. That would uh, be fun to try out. Sure, if you say so. I'm going to try it. And then coming shortly after that, Code Vein for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on the 27th. Dragon Quest 6S comes out on switch on september 27 as well and another game nobody cares about almost certainly i guess these sports games like all release in the fall yeah i guess because people have gone back to school and they're like sports minded i don't know the point is fifa 20 nobody cares uh comes out kind of care you don't I mean, I still have FIFA 17. It's a financial nine, scam. 17. We should eventually talk about how much of a scam sports, sports games, games are, are because they because are just, just a recycled blanket, a scam. Anyways, that comes out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC on the 27th. Don't buy it. It's a scam. Strong FIFA 20. Opinions. It's Strong a opinions. scam. Okay. <laughs> but you're all. also forgetting one game that you're also very excited for coming out on the 27th as well. To the Switch, specifically. Oh. And your first... <gasps> Ori in the Blind Forest. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm ashamed. I think they're actually releasing a playable demo early sometime. I don't need the demo. You're gonna, you'll God, have the it's going to be such a freaking expensive month for me. <laughs> <laughs> because I picked up, of course, the Monster Hunter uh, World Iceborne yeah. uh, DLC. DLC. Expansion, really. Uh, also, because it just happened to be super on sale, maybe it still is by the time this episode airs. I'm not sure. Celeste was 50% off. That's right. It also just had that big DLC 
CPAC come out, so I had to pick that up. I'd wanted to get it for a while, and I finally did it. It was only $10, not people. Bad, not bad. 50% off. Get it at $10. Limited time only. Potentially not even out right now for that price. Anyways, and then, of course, Link's Awakening. I am just poor AF. Swamped. I have to be able to afford both games and French fries. That's true. You can't have it all, despite what sitcoms tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, another bit of news that is going to be on the 24th. So, the day that this episode is releasing, I'm wearing this shirt for a reason. Because Sony announced a couple weeks ago, or yeah, by the time this comes out a couple weeks ago, that it was going to be, and so it's the day of this episode's release date, Sony is holding a state of play where they will be releasing more information on a lineup of, of certain games, but it's already been confirmed by Neil Druckmann that there will be The Last of Us Part Two news. Okay. Will it be a release date? I don't know, but my fingers are crossed as hard as they can be crossed. Watch it just be really detailed information about what kind of guitar Ellie plays. I know, it won't, and it's it actually just like, like secretly <laughs> product placement. I'll and they're just, just be like mad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh so, my God. Are you going to do a Jared reacts? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. Like I'm going to try, I'm going to try to figure it out. Uh, I've never done like a watch along with a stream react do thing. Watch I'm going to try to do that. Yeah. So what yeah, time is uh, it? it's going to be 1 PM Pacific, 1 PM, 4 PM Eastern. So oh be tuning in here for you central timers at 3 PM central time for when it must I'll be, be nice to do not my to thing. be employed. I am employed. <laughs> I'm just, just employed to myself. <laughs> <laughs> You're better off than I am. But no. So it's uh so it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited and I'm praying to God that it, uh, it's, I was actually in the discord for one of our, uh, uh, the player versus all discord that I'm in and they, cause they announced, they put the uh, hoagie over there. He put in, or he put in the announcement of the state of play. And I did that, try to do that like summoning circle candle meme thing with last of us part two release date in there. But then I entered it, spent all the time to do it. And then when I entered it in the formatting, Oh no! So Poor but hopefully Jared. the summoning circle still works. So, so you know, just throwing it all. You out just there. have to make one in real life. That's true. I'm, I would. I would. You've legit probably got do it. the merch for it. I've probably got the merch. I've got enough lights. Probably enough candles around. You I can, can put this I in the circle. This. Yes. Yes. If you give Aloy a guitar, she might look enough like Ellie. That could work. That she could pull it off. That could work too. Maybe is, are to, there any llamas in The Last of Us? There were giraffes. That's kind of close. Yeah. This thing kind of looks like a giraffe. Or I could just burn a pile of, or smash a bunch of bricks and bottles. And you should stuff. go out into the woods and find like real mushrooms because they're fun. They're like fungi creatures, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should go get there some mushrooms, go. bro. I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. This is great. Oh, I guess. Or you could just go to the grocery store. <laughs> just buy them. <laughs> That's boring. Though. And then you can eat them afterwards. <laughs> One more thing before we jump into the main topic. So we're very excited about that. But then one more thing before we jump into the main topic. We do have to do a little bit of housekeeping. Got a couple announcements about the show. Probably should have put these before the moment with Mogan, but Too we just late. got rolling into it and I just Whatever. rolled right in. So here we're going to just uh, talk about these now. couple quick things. So as you may have seen, if you've been following the show, we had to miss a few weeks due to some uh, personal emergencies on my end. And so... We have been able to operate with it throughout this whole time that we've had the show. Unfortunately, we've been very lucky to not really run into the situation where this has happened a lot. This year, it's happened way more than any other. And so what we're doing, though, because we have some end-of-the-year travel coming up, and just the month of October is going to be a busy month for us anyway. So we're going to be taking the month of October off. Calm down. Everyone take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Because what we're doing is we're going to be pre-recording a bunch of content that's going to be evergreen. So in case this ever happens again, we have a backlog that we can put out episodes and there won't be an interruption in our release schedule. 
Does that mean you will hear or hear nothing of us during that month? I'm going to go ahead and say no, just because I'm sure there will be things that come up, things that we'll want to talk about. We'll be talking about some games. There might be more trailers, reactions, things we want to do about that. I'm not making promises, but I'm not putting it outside the realm of possibility either. But all this is to say, though, we are going to then come back in the beginning of November. We will, though, have one more episode after this week. So next week will be our next, our last episode before our hiatus. We'll remind you all again there. We just want to give you all time to prepare mentally. But and we're going to And emotionally, because yeah. those are very important Preparing things and everyone needs to be ready. But the good news is, though, we'll be coming back, though, ending up, coming back out of our hiatus on November 2nd, which is a Saturday. Why is it a Saturday? Why are we coming back then? Because it's Extra Life Day 2019. Yay! And we're going to be doing another 24-hour stream. We'll be kicking it off at 8 a.m. on November 2nd, going until 8 a.m. on Sunday, the th- November 3rd. It's always great because Extra Life always ri- winds up being both Extra Life Day and now just because of when it r- lands, that's our anniversary as well. So it'll yeah. be us starting off a new year Good of the show. Us. It'll be a nice, fresh break. So that was another reason, a nice, fresh beginning. So that's another reason why we wanted to take October to kind of build up, plan Extra Life, get a bunch of episodes in the can that we can have ready, and just, you know, continue to build improvements to the show. So we wanted to give both of those announcements before we jumped into the topic, and so we didn't forget, and so everyone would know. But again, October, except for the first. So October 1st, we'll be releasing an episode that will be the last released episode of October because we'll be doing the hiatus. We'll be coming back November 2nd for our Extra Life stream. So tune in for more updates on all of that. So now we can move on to our main topic, which is kind of a dual purpose, and they kind of lead into each other. I saw some articles and an article from Gita Jackson and Kotaku. She's, the headline is, I stopped playing Control because I don't want it to end. Basically, and so in the article, she goes on to talk about her experiences with the game and that the big, like she says, a big problem for me, quote, here's the big problem for me. The more I play the game, the less game there is to play. Soon the game will be over. And while Control still has missions to complete after the credits roll, the act of discovery will be over. The Federal Bureau of Control won't be entirely unraveled, but the majority mystery of the game will be. I'm dreading this. So that kind of led to us wanting to kind of talk about the same thing, because I know we've talked about games that we stopped playing because we hated them. Or we didn't like them. But what are games that we stopped playing or delayed putting off? Because I don't know if there's one. If I actually enjoy the game, I don't know if I've ever stopped playing completely because I enjoyed it. I will delay it and be and push off its conclusion for as long as I can. But I don't know if there's ones that I've just been like, I'm not going to finish this because I don't want it to end. I do it but, all the time. Really? All the time. I would say that of the games that I've played in my lifetime, I have perhaps completed most optimistic guess I can throw out there, 15 to 20%. Really? Because I've played many, many, many games. How many of those have I finished that actually had a finishable part of the story, not including games like Overwatch or Monster Hunter World, which arguably doesn't have an end of the story, even though they say it does, but not really. You're not even playing it for the story. It's not the same thing. So of games that had a defined end, where it was like, okay, you've reached the end of the game, credits roll, good job. I have finished precious few of the ones that I have actually played. I'm getting better about it. I would say that since we've started the podcast, largely because of the podcast within the past two years or so, I've gotten a lot better about actually seeing games through to the end. Right. But in my history of life, not just with video games, with any media I am really enjoying, I'm a notorious non-finisher. Just For this exact reason. Well, I mean, and I will say there are a lot of games that I have started playing and have kind of fallen off them because either new things come up and I just forget to go to go circle back around to them 
or or just because I'm not enjoying them. But like, what about a game necessarily makes you not want to finish it? If it, even if you're enjoying it, you're loving it. But like, what? Why does that? You know, because it would seem that that would make you want to finish it because you want to see how it concludes. But is it because you're leaving the world and you you know, and it's like that journey is over, even though you could replay, but it's not the same. Or is it just like you're just like this is too great, this is too good, I enjoy playing this too much to put it down. Well, a really good example of this for me would be the Dishonored series, mm-hmm. which I finally made some actual progress in. As nice. you know, nice. uh, I finally finished after. Four years, you know, probably even five (laughs) years after approximately four to five years, I finally went back just a few months ago and actually finished Dishonored One. Right, I remember you telling me. And then I actually did also finish the uh, first, not all of them, but the first of the DLC packs that came along with Dishonored One as well. I still have another one to play through, and yet again, what am I doing? I'm not playing not it through because it. I'm like, but if I finish the final DLC pack, then it's really, really over. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep doing it in every new additional piece of content there is. I'm like, okay, how long do I think I can put that one off for? Uh, historically, years. Yeah. But I've done the exact same thing with Dishonored 2. So now that I finished Dishonored 1, I already knew where things were going. I basically already knew how Dishonored 1 was going to end uh, because I had gotten all the way to the end. I just hadn't finish the game right with dishonored 2 it's kind of the reverse uh i started playing it got i think two full like chapters full like missions slash chapters in and i think i stopped as i was beginning the third one uh for a couple of reasons and this is actually the exact same reason that i fell into this trap with dishonored one Mm -hmm. and eventually with dishonored one i just had to divert from the path also by the time i picked it back up i had kind of forgotten how to play so i kind of forgot what i was doing (laughs) but with both dishonored one and dishonored two i'm the type of player that with the dishonored games they're very choice-based, and you can either go in guns a or you can go in super stealthy and pacifist, or you can do a mix of both. Uh, I wanted to play entirely pacifist and have a run where I had a no-kill run for anyone. So I wanted to be able to play the game and end it and have said, I've killed no one. I've gotten the air quotes perfect pacifist run. Right. Uh, unfortunately, with Dishonored 1, I really ran into issues in the flooded district because it was crawling, literally crawling with uh, really difficult enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you miss one, if you F one up just a little and don't manage to sleep dart them and secret their body away to somewhere else and like gently lay them down, and you're like, hope the rats don't eat you. And then you put run away. To, you put a little blanket on them and you're head. like, you'll yeah. be safe in this dumpster. <laughs> and then run off to get their friends. If you don't do that in perfect order, in perfect order you alert all the other guys and then they all come running and they're gonna kill you and there's no way around it so you're like well shit i gotta start the whole chapter over again so i kept having to do that and then i finally got so frustrated that i stopped playing it and it was nobody's fault but my own if i had just not played the stupid pacifist way that i had chosen i could have finished the game way sooner 
But as it turns out, that was probably never going to happen. So when I went back and took back up Dishonored 1, I did not play that way. I was like, I don't even remember how to play. Mm-hmm. Do I? How do I punch? Yeah. So I did my best not to kill anybody, but I definitely got kills, ruined my pacifist run, but managed to finish the game. Nice. With Dishonored 2, I have encountered the exact same <laughs> trap. And again, it is no one's fault but my own. Well, I mean, so, but you do that with Pikmin, though. I do it with Pikmin. I don't do it with every game. It's just when there's a game where the option is very clearly there. Yeah. It's like, no, I don't actually care if these guys in Dishonored live. I don't care. I'm fine with killing them. They're not adorable Pikmin that I want to love and protect and keep alive for the rest of their days and mine. Uh, so it's just that it's more fun to try and set up these ridiculous goalposts for yourself and be like, can I do it this way? Uh, and I think there's some point in chapter three where I was trying to get through this building and just everything kept going wrong and I kept alerting the wrong guys and I was really mad. So I was like, you know what? I haven't even finished Dishonored 1 yet. <laughs> so I kind of used it as a back alley to be like, oh, okay, well, I'll take a break from Dishonored 2 and I'll, I'll come back to it yeah. after I finish Dishonored 1. Uh, that being the fake promise that I made to myself and now that I've finished Dishonored 1 I'm like well shit (laughs) do do I really have to go back and finish it now (laughs) Uh, it's not just that the way I want to play is so defined it's also exactly kind of what you said earlier which is that I really enjoy the world of Dishonored Um, I think that the environment that they've laid out is by its own rights really unique Mm -hmm. because it's this alternate universe it's not really reality but it's based kind of loosely on like the Victorian slash industrial age. So things aren't really technologically advanced as we would know them now, but in their own way, they're kind of like in their own technological boom. They're figuring out new ways to do things. Would you say it's, I don't know if it's the, it's the quite the right thing, but it's kind of steampunkish. I would say it's definitely steampunk. It's very steampunk. Uh, that's kind of exactly where they're at. Is that they're on the cusp of being there? They've already had their industrial age. Now they're on the verge of having their next big like technological revolution. They're figuring out these wild new technologies. Blah blah blah. So it's a really interesting world to be in. And even though it's dark and kind of ugly, and yeah. you're like, there's rats everywhere. Gross. They can be my my friends if I possess them but then if I like beat them up they all attack me anyways the point is it's a world that I really love I like the characters mm-hmm. um, even though you know as Corvo at least you're a mostly silent protagonist Emily isn't as silent she'll she'll talk quite a bit I'm um, in Dishonored too but uh, for the most part you feel like you really kind of are the character that you're embodying. And I just really enjoy the experience. Yeah. It's super fun gameplay. It's a fun environment. There are these obnoxious goals that I've set for myself in game that kind of make a challenge for me. Because if you just played, you know, very general, kill some people, subdue some people, it's objectively an easy game mm-hmm. unless you play on hard mode. But uh, I like to play it my way. And I like to not kill anybody, even though it's stupid. I think I tried with Deus Ex Mankind Divided to tr- to go for a pacifist run, or I was thinking about it, I was considering it, and that lasted maybe the fifth time I died in the first level, and then I was like, nah, screw it. Only five times? <laughs> you scrub! I know. I was like, nope, this is dumb. You're a scrub Guns lord. <laughs> so, but uh, for, for me, I feel like... The game I was actually looking back and thinking it on like my lists of completed games and everything, and I found a pattern. The games that I don't want to end are the games that I platinum. 
Really? Yeah. Huh. So, um, in, in, on PS4. And so, and it's to some extent, like, I, I want to go back and I'm waiting for, because another reason why I'm very and hopeful that on today, as of this release, that we're getting the news of the Last of Us release date, because that was my plan to go back and replay Last of Us once I got the release date. And so, like, that's one game that I haven't platinumed that one. But I also know that platinuming it was going to require several more playthroughs, including ones on the hardest difficulty level. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. But I would love to platinum that game one day. It just might be years down the line before that happens. But, By then, your fine motor skills will have deteriorated. But also, but see, in a way, though, that keeps the game from ending, in a way. In a but, way, it does. That's true. Um, so that I can keep coming back, coming back and experiencing it. And it'll probably be the same way with Last of Us Part Two. Last of Us Part Two, I can guarantee you, though, is going to be one that I'm going to have that conflict. I will want it to last forever because it's finally here, the sequel to The Last of Us. But I also know I'm going to want to bust through that story. And just like, because I know it's going to be one that the faster I play it, the more impactful the game is, the game story is going to be. Yeah. Because I, that's how I was with Last of Us, the first one. I played, I started playing through it and I was like, oh man, this is really good. I want this to last. But as I got deeper into the game, I could, I found it being able to stop playing. And so I had to keep like, I was just like, okay, well I have to finish this because I need to feel like this is this. And it obviously was very much rewarded by the end game of that. But so I think for me, that's kind of how I handle this. I don't f- stop playing them, but I increase my level of derping around. In, 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 but the most, so the games that I had as examples were Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, Far Cry Primal, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Assassin's Creed Origins. So those are all very big open world games. They're filled with things to do. And so, you know, in each one of those, I like very much enjoyed, like Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was awesome because for me, it was the first... I know I've talked about it before, but they had Lord of the Rings: War in the North was the first rated M Lord of the Rings game that came that had Whoa. come out. It was crazy. Does Got, Gimli say dwarvish swear words? You actually, don't play as Gimli. Oh my god! What but a you waste did of a game. start like decapitating orcs and your enemies, and they were some big, you know, some gl- that some gory a kills rated like that. M? I guess for Lord of the Rings, because you didn't want like you know little children. They're like, orcs. I love the hobbits. They need to learn how to survive. <laughs> it's so, for the best. <laughs> Shadow of Mordor, though, but then remember, I did stop playing that game and never got to finish it because it was so damn buggy. And I oh, just yeah, like, kept you told me about out, like, that. Save, like yeah. being able to not progress in the game. So Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor, sorry, was very exciting for me and I wanted to spend as much time as it as I could because it was that on a bigger scale, it kind of felt like it was a huge open world game, which I'm a big fan of anyway. And so being able and pursuing that as a, you know, and pursuing the platinum trophy was just a way to make it never end. And the same carries over for all these other ones. Horizon Zero Dawn, my God, I didn't want that game to end. I loved running around, hunting the machines. The story was great. Yeah, got Aloy over here. She's standing watch over us as we record. It's great. You know, and everything about you, that game was... Get one of those, like, weird metal stegosauruses. I actually have one. Wait, it's a long neck. The, Brachiosaurus. The, uh... Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tall necks from the... From there that had all the Is that what they're things. called? Tall necks? I, I think they are. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's what they're called. I have one of the Watchers, a Funko of the Watcher. And then I have the, since I got the collector's edition of Horizon, I have like the Aloy, the really cool Aloy statue. She's too big for the shelf. Too big for the shelf. I wish she could be on the shelf. Uh, but, and so it's just, it's one of those things. It's just like the, the amount of what I can do in the world has a lot to do with it. Uh, a game like 
Call of Duty? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be like, oh, this is too good. I don't want it to end. Nah, I'm gonna play through that story. <laughs> Things no one has ever said about <laughs> Call of Duty. <laughs> Burn. So, you know, it's it's mostly in these big open world games like that. But no, to some extent, if it's one that I do want to finish, I don't think there would ever be the point that I would say I'm not gonna play this game because it's too good. I like, mean, it's never a conscious effort for me. It's always very much like I know it's happening. On the same, one hand, I same. know what I'm doing. I know the pattern I'm falling into. But also, I'm not going to stop myself. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to... The the one more recent game that I did do that on, it was a mix. It was a mix of not necessarily wanting it to end because I knew there was so much more I could do. But then I needed it to end because I needed to move on to other things. And that was Red Dead 2. There was so much more, and I've contemplated trying. I contemplated platinuming in that, but there's too many trophies that are determined on the online Red Dead Online, and so I won't platinum it for that reason because I'm probably not going to play Red Dead Online. But Red Dead Two, like as I especially got into it, I we'll do eventually. I want to have like I know my buddy Michael played it, and our you know our good friend Kirok he also played. So maybe we'll try to do like some big joint. Uh, kind of wrap up thing of that game. Don't do it. Don't but, waste your life. No, it's really it really did get so much better for me than than I initially went on. No, it it really did. The last. This is going to sound really weird to say, but the last quarter of the game was probably my favorite, and it was. It, it was great. It took it that long to get good, huh? Not that it took it that long to get good. That's again, it's where I double I. I doubled down and pushed through the story. Ah, uh, yes. So, it, rather than derping around out in the wilderness. Exactly. Gotcha. Like, I, I still have legendary animals I want to hunt. I still have things like that I want to do. But now, I don't have the weight of needing to finish the story over, hanging over me. I can go back to that anytime I want. And I'm actually now, they did do a big update to Red Dead Online where they introduced, like, legendary bounties and everything. Doing the bounties was one of my favorite parts of Red Dead 1, and I really loved, enjoyed it doing it in Red Dead 2. I... And so having that, I was I kind of saw that. I was like, okay, I, I see you, Rockstar. You might actually get me into Red Dead Online, but probably not for very much. Probably or very often. not. But like, so you know, I don't know. For that, I would have to say those four games are probably ones that would fit this criteria the most of of kind of not wanting them to end. So I just did whatever I could to prolong them. That's pretty funny because I feel like of the games that I've played that I haven't finished in their entirety and in some cases haven't finished at all tend to not necessarily be or not majority be the large open world games mm-hmm. i actually did finish breath of the wild surprise shock and surprise all around most of the games that i tend to stall out the absolute longest are very uh, by a large extent much shorter one-offs great examples of that would be hollow knight it took me forever to finish hollow knight and i still technically haven't finished it because i haven't gotten the good ending i can i'm at the point where i can in theory if i can beat the final final boss but i haven't even really like made that big of an effort to beat the final final boss because i'm like but then it will be over right so i'm still stalling that out i'm like oh no i haven't beaten all three tiers of the of the coliseum i've got i've got other i haven't found mr mushroom in every single scenario haven't haven't beaten the grim troop yet so i'm like even in a game that i've technically finished once before i'm still diverting away from actually finishing it yeah other great examples of that would be how long i stalled out child of light 
another very short game that I was like, you know what? How long do I think I can make this last? And really, I'm the most guilty of this in JRPGs. And I think that's, even though they are big games in a lot of cases, they're not open world. You would never right. describe, or in the, in most cases, you wouldn't typically describe a JRPG as being open world. They might be big worlds, but for the most part, JRPGs tend to be fairly linear. And many of them, most of them, that I've played in my lifetime, I've never finished. And part of that is because I'm enjoying that, them so much. I don't want the story to end. I don't want to know what happens at the end in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. even if I can see what's coming down the line. Great examples of that would be Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Both games I love, both games I have played up until very close to the end, neither I have finished. Interesting. And in both cases, it's like, I can see what's coming. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to stop right here. Almost every Final Fantasy. Almost all of them. I'm like, I'll play up until a point. I I think I'm done. (laughs) I'll stop here. And it's like, it's not even that the ending's going to be bad. It's just that I see it. I see the finish line and I'm like, okay, it's time for me to stop. Uh, And I especially do this. Not even necessarily with small games or with JRPGs. I will do it again and again, and again, and again with games on replay. Ah. So I do it with every Legend of Zelda game. Do you have any idea how many times I've replayed Wind Waker up until the last segment, and then I stop? Ten. I don't even know. Oh, really? It's I'm not that even many sure. Times. Yeah, I'm not even sure how many times I've done it. I've done it with Twilight Princess. I've done it with Skyward Sword. I've done it with A Link Between Worlds. I've done it with Manish Cap because I still love that game. And it's so good. I've done it with Golden Sun. I've done it with Final Fantasy VIII. I've done it with Final Fantasy X. Any game that I'm like, how far can I get? I already know what's going to happen. And even games that I haven't actually finished before. So, like, it'll be the case where I've uh, I've played the game up until the end. Rather than finish the game, I'll start a new save pi- file and play up until the same point I got to last time. And then I stop again. And then I go back what and I do it again. This? <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Like, why? I do it all the time. <laughs> like, and, because, like, even though I may have, like, very oh, hard, like, very deep feelings for this game's story and the characters, like, I still want to see it to its conclusion eventually. No, thank you. Uh, I mean, the alternative is, like, obviously with Legend of Zelda games, I do almost always finish those. But with many, many many JRPGs and I guess RPGs in general I'll do the same thing over and over again I'll play up until mm. what I what I know is the final boss and then I'll stop so, okay so this is kind of something talking about the end of games and everything kind of touched on slightly last week but so what, what what lets you know you've hit that point then? Is it something that like the game tells you? Like I know some games will have that thing like, are you sure you want to continue? Because it's like you do this and you're getting the end game. Or is it a point where you kind of have an idea where the story's going and you're like, I'm going to stop here. Because for me, once I know I get to that point where it's like, here's where the game is going. That's when I'm like, okay, I'm not going to play this game until I know I have a solid three hours or what you know whatever it's just a, a, a big enough chunk of time where i can get through that all at once and, and enjoy that the conclusion of this game at that one point because i can't tell you how many times that i have played a game 
and been like, I feel like I'm getting to the end. Like it didn't tell me. And I'm like, I feel like I'm getting to the end, but then I have to stop for some reason. And then I go back to play it and I literally do like one more fight. And that was the end. And you know, and it's kind of that, like that buildup that the game story has is lost to an extent yeah. when you have that interruption. I so do you saying. like having the game tell you like, Hey, this is it. No. Or do you like to discover it for yourself? The game doesn't have to tell me, especially with JRPGs, because they are so, uh, again, for the most part, they are so formulaic that they follow very similar patterns. You know, you know when you've hit the final end game mm. of a JRPG because it usually gets to such a grandiose scale. You're either in space or you've made it to like another dimension or the final boss that you've been fighting all throughout the four discs of the game has finally gotten so big that you're like, okay, that's his final, final, final form. I definitely know that. Mm-hmm. So there's so it's so easy to see that you're like, okay, this is the end. It doesn't have to be like, are you sure you want to continue i just know that it's the end okay. uh, but with modern games i think it's a lot more easy to see because many of them will have percentage counters that's true of how much percentage of a game you finished and it's like oh man i kind of don't like that system mm-hmm. Unle- i wish that games that had percentage counters either hit it somewhere that you had to actually actively seek it out or that they had the option to turn it off. Because I feel like with Hollow Knight, it's helpful if you're treasure hunting to know how much of the percentage of the game you finished. But it's also like, man, on the one hand, I kind of wish it hadn't told me. Because then it would have been even more of a surprise to figure out, okay, is this really the end of the game or not? Right. So I don't know. I'm kind of ambivalent on it. Mostly I just want it to always be an option. In terms of hard percentage counters for a game. Got it. I don't want it to ever be something that you have to see that you can't turn off. Because, I mean, you know, I don't want to know when the end is near. Yeah. I want to be surprised. And and I feel like I normally only see it where it's like, are you sure you want to do this? In, like, bigger open world games or something like that. Like, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins comes to mind and Horizon Zero Dawn, actually. Red Dead did not have it. Um, I got to a point, though, because I knew I was nearing... Because it has six chapters and then two epilogues or an epilogue with two chapters. And so I knew I got to this one point at the end of chapter six and I got to this one mission and I said, okay, I need to either stop playing right now. And it was like, it was starting to get late or I was like, or I strap in and see this to the end of chapter six at least. And so at that point, you know, and so I kind of like just based on the like the decision that you were having to make for the I was kind of like, okay, I feel like this is where it's going for the most part, though, I will say. So I don't know if I necessarily like that. I would prefer it if the game holds your hand and says, hey, it's the end. Do you want to continue? Or if I would like to discover it, it it honestly feels like a. So I, a per game, like a per game basis, I would say for me. So I guess I haven't really encountered what you're describing then, because because you don't finish games. No, well, a because I don't finish <laughs> games, but also, what do you mean by the game? The game tells you that it's about to end. There have been in like Horizon Zero Dawn, or even um, it, it's ba- and it can be something very s- subtle. It's not like, like the are game, you talking about a, a screen pops up. A screen or a dialogue option, usually. Like, I want to say in Horizon and Origins, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, it was a dialogue option, and it was basically like, you go to this, you'll be talking with one of the characters, uh, and that you're interacting with the story, and it's usually, like, before a mission starts, and it'll be like, are you ready to go? And it'll sometimes be written into the dialogue, like, are you, you know, are you ready to go to sail on to this 
to this. You know, it'll be a long, and they make it heavily implied in the dialogue that this will be the final mission. Ooh, and then you usually have the dialogue options of, sure, let's go, or hold on, I'll be back. You know, and and I see that happen. The well, most I guess often. I have I have run into that more in games, but it's not like it's it's so black and white. Like this is the end. This yeah. is the end. But you definitely know if you play it, is you're gonna you're like you're gonna okay. be have the in mission. See. Usually, when I get to that, is when I have to do the hard decision making of okay, do I want to keep playing right now, or do I want to stop? And it's usually more often than not that's when I stop because I'm like. I need to come back to this at a later date. And then it might be a little while. I try to make it as soon as I can because obviously, again, the climax of the story has been building up and I don't want that to be uh, to be ruined. So I normally try to do it as, as soon as I can. But sometimes it, it can take a week or two before I can get back around to it. it but I would rather... years. Apparently. Four years. <laughs> but I would <laughs> rather have that than be in the middle of that last mission and something come up and I have to stop then and then it's like really ruined. So I don't know. Just a small aside that I was that kind of built off of this indeed so this actually really well leads in to the next part of this episode our next topic is that Ubisoft recently came out in an in an interview with gamesindustry.biz and this is actually by this point like this article came out on the on September 10th and it's from gamesindustry.biz why Ubisoft isn't abandoning its open worlds. CEO Yves Gilmon explains why the growing audience for games means the publisher's blockbuster model is sustainable. And this is by James Batchelor over on gamesindustry.biz. And basically it's been, you know, like it's been promoted that basically Ubisoft's coming out and saying like we're not going to be doing these shorter more contained stories. We're moving away from that model. So the Basically, title of this article to me is really confusing. It is. Because the content doesn't even imply that Ubisoft was ever going to be abandoning its open worlds. Right. That's really confusing it phrasing. It kind of is, because the biggest, the biggest uh, examples that they're using in this article, so I'll read from the article here, quote, five years ago, the publisher's main Q4 release was Assassin's Creed Unity, a title that, while open, is confined to one city, and if you focus purely on the main missions, can be polished off in around 15 hours. Meanwhile, last year's Assassin's Creed Odyssey takes place across the entirety of ancient Greece, plus all uh, those nearby islands, plus all those nearby islands, and the average playtime for its users is 60 hours. This year, Ubisoft's ten-pole title for Q4 is Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Following the success of Ghost Recon Wildlands, the series' first open-world entry, the two vast adventures to follow in the early 2020. Oh, sorry, with two vast adventures to follow in early 2020 with Gods and Monsters and Watch Dogs Legion. Ubisoft is now synonymous with open worlds, yet is there a chance they would ever return to a more focused outing like Assassin's Creed Unity? To which CEO Yves Gilmont says no. Quote, our goal is to make sure you can have unity within an odyssey. If you want to have a story of 15 hours, you can have it, but you can also have other stories. You live in that world and you pursue what you want to pursue. You have an experience, many unity-like experiences, end quote. So basically what they're saying is Ubisoft is not is going to be moving away from shorter compact stories in these open settings whereas it's now going to be huge multi-hour 60 plus hour outings into games like Assassin's Creed and I love that Assassin's Creed works so well because it it ties in Assassin's Creed Origins is one that I didn't want to put down and I spent 72 hours in that game I want to say and I have and that's without touching the DLC like I haven't been able to go back yet and touch the DLC which looks really good and I want to. And so off the bat, there and, and it's a couple it's an interesting thing. Like what what's your initial reaction to this? So my whole reaction to this is that this is really confusing. So for starters, I want to preface this by saying based on this article, 
none of this seems final to me. This all seems very speculative, speculative, even with uh, Yves Guillermont saying um, our goal is to make sure that you can have a unity with an Nazi. Basically, by omission saying we're not going to make games like Unity anymore. That seems like a really weird statement to bother to put out there. Because to me, from a business perspective, why even make it so express? Why wouldn't you just quietly move away from that model if you say something like, oh, we're not going to be making unities anymore? You're closing the door to yourself mm-hmm. of being able to potentially in the future make these smaller games. And that's not to say that you can't make them. It's just going to mean that if you do ever make them in the future, it's going to be weird because people are going to be like, hey, didn't you say that you weren't going to make kind of the smaller, more contained games anymore. It just seems like a really weird decision to me to say, no, we're not going to do something. Why wouldn't you just not do it? Well, see, I'm assuming, though, that it means that there's it's pertaining. What I'm taking from this is that they're meaning specifically only these big open what we would open world games, a la Assassin's Creed, Ghost, the new Ghost Recons and stuff like that, where like because no, Ubisoft makes dance just dance games like unless they're going to re- release after da- just dance 2020 just dance dancing all over the world like that that game model doesn't you know what i mean like so there is some disparity there they can't i don't think that means blanket applies to everything but i feel like what they're saying what eve is saying is if it's a big open world game don't expect the main story to be 15 hours or don't expect your experience, your your minimum experience to be this 15-hour thing. It's going to be huge. It's going to be spread. There will be multiple 15-hour stories, you know, just using that as an example, within this one game. But so it, that means, like, I don't think then, I think that means that it could move away from, like, the yearly release schedule. Like, for example, we're not getting a new Assassin's Creed this year. Um, so maybe it's move, saying that their open-world games are going to move away from, like, annual releases and instead be like you get assassin's creed odyssey and assassin's creed odyssey is going to get content updates through either more stories more missions more whatever for five years let's say before the next iteration comes out that's kind of what i'm taking this to mean i mean i i get that but would you have said that assassin's creed unity which is the example they give in the article that doesn't sound like a truly air quotes open world game to me if it only took place in one city then is it really open world? It's open in the in this sense of it's not like you can you literally only go along like certain corridors of the city, the, only the ones that the story is taking you on. Like say for example, the so older So that's not open world. I don't know. My my take on that, I would call that open world. If it's something just because there's different places you can go through, it's one setting. I don't know. That's I mean, hard. if it's one like, setting, that's kind of what I, I guess, think I guess of as true. being that's not, not open, open world. world. Okay, I, I will, I'll concede that. Like, so that's true. That kind of brings up what I think is my point of this article is that what they're saying, what I'm interpreting this as is Assassin's Creed Unity does not sound like an open world game to me. It sounds like a single contained game that took place in one particular setting. That has a ton of other side activities that you has can do side in the same thing to make it more than the 15 hours. But those okay, side okay. activities still took place in the same setting. It's not saying. like they were in this big open world environment like what we would consider modern open world games to be currently. So what it sounds like to me they're saying is they're not going to make really what are small games because if unity mm-hmm. was max 15 hours if you played the main story 
that is technically a smaller game. True. So it sounds to me like what they're saying is we're not going to make smaller games anymore. We're only going to be investing in these big open world opportunities. Which to me, I'm all about. Like, because going back to the games we don't want to end, I don't want Assassin's Creed Origins to end. So you're telling me that you're going to support this game for years with new updates and new content and all this stuff for me to enjoy? Absolutely. I'm there. You know, and so I know then this, this, then raises questions of like, well, what does that look like? How do they make continue to make money off of this? Like, obviously, I would imagine then they're not going to be going with free content updates. It's going to be you you buy the expansions, you buy the the further DLC that they have. But I don't think Ubisoft will necessarily go the way of loot boxes because they haven't really done that before. Like in in Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, you can buy cosmetic items, and there are even in some of their other games like Far Cry Five and things like that that you could buy these boosters that would basically give you experience points to help you move along in the story faster pay to win for me well again it's a single player story there is some but you're still paying to skip content or skip yeah I, I never bought them so i don't know exactly how they work because for me like i know people came i've, I've seen online people saying oh they're just so grindy but that's what i want in that kind of game I don't want, for me personally, and I understand other people may be different, but that's what I want. I want a game like Assassin's Creed, especially when the the industry is with these, with games like Destiny or The Division and things like that, where these games are, yeah, you can play this and you can go back and grind, but like they really, you get the most benefit from having a group and playing through with this group. I love the games like Assassin's Creed because they don't require that, but it is still this huge open world that I can go to explore and that I feel like has no end to an extent and so i like having that as the ability so i don't mind at all if it's grindy because i like having if i'm enjoying that world and i am and having a blast in it sign me up like yeah i want to have those as many experiences in that as i can i don't know i just feel like overall it's a really strange thing to state as a matter of policy going forward Mm -hmm. because my big take on ubisoft one of my favorite games that they've ever made was child of light right a small a smaller game experience that was a contained cell in and of itself once you finish the game you finish the game very true i really enjoy and get so much more out of games like that as opposed to the open world games. And I can even say that about Breath of the Wild, Mm -hmm. which is one of the biggest open world games I personally have ever played and finished. Uh, That being said, did I get more enjoyment out of Breath of the Wild than some of the other much smaller games I've played? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And did I think that those other smaller games were better quality and better experiences overall? In many cases, yes. Right. So it just seems really weird to me that they would be like, hey, heads up, we're not making any of those games anymore. Why wouldn't you just not say it Which, is what I'm curious but about. But that's what I'm wondering, though, too, if they're, if, we're, if they're needing to still come out with further clarification. Because like I said, to me, this means open world games... They're not gonna. They're not gonna. Don't expect a short campaign anytime soon, or a, a, a quick package. But I because still, and that leads to other questions like, you know, what does that mean for future games that they already have currently in development? Like we already know, Watchdog Legions is going to be a big open world game. There's going to be a lot to do there. But also at the same time, as far as I know, that only really takes place in London. But I guess it, that's what I mean. Like, that's what I didn't quite understand what you were getting at at first. Because if, like, say Paris in Unity is massive and sprawling and has tons, like a huge map, I would still kind of consider that open world. I mean, if it's big enough, sure. But Unity didn't sound that big. Right. I mean, because it only takes place in the one city. Yeah. So, but also, like, but I'm looking for, at other games that they currently have in development, like 
Well, Skull and Bones, the pirate one, is going to be, that's very much a multiplayer online game only. So, yeah, that makes sense and fits would fit in that model. But I'm also thinking of Beyond Good and Evil, too. I don't know. I mean, I think in my book, open world means many environments, lots of roaming. Okay. I would not define London. I would not define Paris as open world. Even if you can go to different sections of those cities, you're still technically in one environment. Right. If you could go to London and then go to Paris and then go to Spain and then go somewhere else, that I would consider open world. And travel it. Now, what about if it's like, say, the only way to get into those things was like a fast travel. You couldn't by land or by sea or by air travel to those new locations. Would you still consider that or would that be just different areas in a... I don't know. Or would those be just like smaller? This is getting into a whole different like yeah, kind of thing. It's but still. a different topic, but my point is I just don't understand why they would even bother to bring it up. I think it's I think at this point too, it is a little like we've said, yeah, it is we're I think there's still more clarification we need. I just think it's maybe planting the seed to get people ready for it, is kind of what I see it as. Because it is also if you're looking at it, it's it's September now. E3 or whatever E3 will be by next year is coming up soon and as as and everything relatively within the next few few months. So maybe they're starting to kind of lay this out. Plus these other bigger games are coming out. So, you know, these games that have already announced, so maybe they're kind of like starting to lay the groundwork for whatever they will announce at E3 or the next big trade show where that we kind of be like, "Hey, we're changing how we've done things." And I kind of feel like this maybe is the first introduction to that. But I, I'm with you, though. I still feel like we need a little bit more from Eves and, and the rest of Ubisoft about what that is actually going to look like. Because I don't, I don't see them being like, hey, we're, we're only making open, hour, open world 100 plus hour games from now on, and that's our MO. Would I be, I think if, if they did decide to do that, they could do it well, because I think they already do it very well. But especially even as games like oh, big open world games like Odyssey and Origins, even down to their games as a service like For Honor, uh, The Division, and things like that. Like I think, I think Ubisoft handles very well their game worlds and what they put out. They I think they do a very good job of putting out post-launch content. Especially, I know Division One had issues, but they've from what I've read and even just with things that I've experienced in for honor, they end with assassin's creed. They have, they put out good quality post game content. So I feel like, I feel like if they did switch to that and they literally did only make these big games, I think they would do very well at it. And because they, and because they're what they do have in my, in the way of microtransactions, they don't cause a flurry and a kerfuffle every time you hear about them because they are very well managed and very well. And they don't impede or, give advantages either way they're you know and how they handle them i so at the end of the day i think if if they did do that i wouldn't necessarily be heartbroken i would say because again a lot of these big open world games that i enjoy are made by ubisoft so i'm like sure you know again but i just think we need more clarification of what that will look like as it comes out i mean my whole thing on this is that i just don't think that it was necessary to even mention it Mm -hmm. at this point you save I, it for like E3. Yeah, I just don't understand why they would even bother to imply it at this point because it seems, again, so speculative right now that it's like, why are you telling us right. anything at all? Well, and at this why, point, everybody... Why bother to make this statement? Everything that we've read and what we're doing right now is speculation because that's all yeah. we necessarily have at this moment. So it'll be very interesting, though, to see 
how this all pans out. Anyway, if you have thoughts on this, we'd love to hear about them from you. Send us an email at teamchatpodcast at gmail.com. Comment below in the on the video and the audio. Send us a message on social media. We would love to hear from you. Join our Discord and talk about it with us there. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which we're going to talk about, take music from one of the games we talked about, which I've selected as Middle of Earth Shadow of Mordor. Fascinating. I actually don't know if we've ever used. Wait, don't worry. I can do it now. Um, how does the Lord of the Rings theme go? Oh, no, wait. Is that the it. Skyrim theme? That's Shit. That's, that's not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't know what I'm singing. What's the Lord of the Rings soundtrack? I can't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay, I got it. I don't know what I was thinking of. Yeah, there we go. Before Whoops. the battle scenes. It's been a while since I've had a... It's actually uh, been a while since I've watched them or played Oh, them it too. hasn't been a while since I've watched them. It's been a while since I had a proper marathon. Ah, I see. I haven't either. I need to, oh, I need to do that again. <laughs> That's our Extra Life World is Marathon. Yeah, we're just going to watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> It'll take up the full 24 hours. <laughs> nice. So the, the track that we'll be featuring is The Grave Walker from Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, composed Spooky. by Gary Scheiman and Nathan Grigg. So listen to that after the close of the episode. Again, the title is... The Gravewalker from Middle-Earth, Shadow of Mordor. But that concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. Until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next week for another fun, exciting gaming topic. We'll see you then. Stick around for the song. 